who are sitting pews today that uh, don't even know that there are quite a few English Bibles before the King James. And, and books like this point that out. I love these kind of books. Uh, they've set me free. You look, looked at a couple of other books there. You looked at that, uh, The Outcasts Comforted. It's written by a Baptist back in uh, the late 1700s here in the United States. He had a church in uh, Philadelphia, and uh, he discovered some things that I discovered from reading these books, and he got kicked out. Uh, fortunately for him, most of the Baptist congregation uh, liked the way he preached and believed that what he was saying was truthful, and so they went and started another building, and they started a church in Philadelphia. His, his sermons, this is the only one that I have a copy of, a photocopy of, they're beautiful. This sermon here, I hope to reprint one day. Uh, it's the sermon that he gave to his church on the Sunday that they had to leave their 
Baptist church and go start somewhere else because they believed and discovered that there was a little four-letter word in their King James Bible that the King James translators didn't handle very well. And it, uh, well, quite frankly, gave God a bad black eye. And uh, they went about telling the world and telling Philadelphia that God was a whole lot bigger than they had made him based on their King James Bible here. I guess uh, from Orthodox point of view, he became, from a Baptist, he became a heretic. That other book that you see over there, that's the one that I'm working on here. Uh, he was a preacher too, back 50 or so years ago here in the United States, Lewis Abbott. And uh, same thing happened to him that happened to this Baptist back in 1792. He was a preacher. Someone challenged him on what he believed about hell. And uh, he took up that challenge and he decided to go into books like this. And two or three years later, he found out that he was wrong and the guy who challenged him was right. And uh, he got kicked out of his denomination too. I got a do this manuscript for him and uh, I've got to go over to his house and talk to him about some of the changes. Would you like to come along? You would? Alright, come on, let's go. Well, Lewis, as I was telling my friend here uh, how I got started in this whole thing with all these books in my office, it all started a few years ago when I became totally disgusted with my Christianity. I got tired of living a, uh, a defeated life. I got tired of uh, going to church every day with uh, what seemed to be a bunch of hypocrites just like me. And when I came to that place, I finally cried out to God and said, I've had enough. And in that moment of time, God, in His sovereignty, put a little booklet in my hand, a little tiny booklet called, Just What Do You Mean Eternity? by a man named uh, J. Preston Eby. I read that booklet and it totally changed my life. And it returned that joy and that peace and that love that I had at the beginning of my Christianity. And in reading that booklet, I said, if that is true, then I need to spend a whole lot of time proving and verifying whether every word in that book was true. And in no time at all, I came to Lewis Abbott, someone said, if you want to know about that word eternity and the Greek word behind it, aeon, there's only one person in the world that knows as much uh, about that word, and that's you, Lewis Abbott. And I uh, found out that you weren't, you were living, uh, you know, right down the road from me, a couple hours away, and uh, went and knocked on your door, and I asked you a bunch of questions. I asked you about the word aeon, and in the time that I've been talking to you, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt there's probably nobody on the face of this earth that knows more about that word aeon and the English word eternal than you and I just came here to introduce my friend here to you and uh, I'd like you to share with him some of the things that you know about this word aeon and maybe uh, we'll talk a little bit about hell also how did you get into this seems like an infatuation with this Greek uh, church history, hell? I mean, how, how did you get into this? Well, it's an interesting study, an interesting story. I was pastoring a little church south of Stover, 
at the time, and I became acquainted with an old gentleman, an old German by the name of Linloff, Henry Linloff. And I found out, I soon found out that Lin, Brother Linloff didn't believe in eternal hell. And I'll never forget walking down a little country road one day, and I looked at Brother Linloff and I felt so sorry for him. The poor old man doesn't believe in eternal hell. And, but uh, he uh, kept telling me that I need to study the subject a little more, and I did take him at his word, and I went to study him. It took me about two and a half to three years of searching the Greek text, the best of my ability with the King James Version, the American Standard Version, and some other versions like uh, Weymouth's uh, Modern English and uh, dictionaries and encyclopedias to prove, not that I was wrong, but to prove that Brother Linloff was wrong. That was my goal. I, I couldn't understand how I could be wrong. It had the word hell in my Bible many times, so how could it be could I be wrong? But after searching all of those years, or three years approximately, I had to go to Brother Linloff and tell him, Well, I've been taught wrong. What you are telling me is true. And as a result of that, I got booted out of the ministry, and I've been independent ever since then. And I studied, and I loved the Word of God. I loved to study. And as over a period of years, I collected somewhat over 3,000 books here in my library. I studied Greek two semesters from Moody, and I uh, took a course from Loyola University, the Catholics, a uh, real large Catholic uh, Greek course. And then I went over into Kansas for eight weeks and took more Greek studies. And all these years I've kept on studying and studying to learn more about God's Word in the original Greek language. And uh, uh, that's the reason why that I have come to the understanding. Now, there's no question in my mind what the word I own means. It means a period of time. It's used that way in the Scripture. It's not what the theologians tell us a word means. It's how it's used in the language that you're studying that determines the meaning of a word. I own is used many places about 125 times plus or minus, depending on which Greek, which Greek text you use. The adjective form is used about 70, 71 times. And they, neither one of those, Ion, the noun, Ionios, the adjective, can mean endlessness. If Ionios, the adjective, is which seems to be the one that most people are, have a uh, problem with, and to say that it means endlessness, eternal, everlasting, forever, if it means that, if you will turn to the Septuagint in the second chapter, about the sixth and seventh verse, you'll find that Jonah was in the belly of the large fish, and the word is used in the Septuagint is Ionias. And we know that Jesus said, and also we know that Jonah 1.17 said he was there three days and three nights. So it cannot be 